0: All right, gentlemen, episode two, Outdoor Adventures podcast. I got with me from West Slope Outdoors, John Gadero's first time on the program. Thanks for being here, John.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And we got Dylan Williams, second time around, West Slope Outdoors as well. And we've got a guest with us today, Chris Hayden. And so Chris and I, say hi, Chris. Hello. Uh, we met each other through a home mortgage transaction, and I helped him buy his first home. And I can tell you, I knew I liked the guy when all he cared about was getting the wooden duck decoy from the house he was buying. That was the most important thing to him. Most people are like, how big is the yard? Does it have granite countertops? And he's like, no, I want that wooden duck decoy. If I don't get this, I'm not buying the
2: house. Yeah, Yeah, that was a very big selling point for me.
0: Yeah. And so for me, once I knew that about this guy, I'm like, man, I like this guy. So today's episode, we're going to talk about fishing and specifically kayak fishing. So, um you know, that's the goal for today. And Johnny, let's start with you. It's your first time on the program. And I know you're a big fisherman. You've caught a lot of fish in your life. Just tell us kind of your favorite type of fishing, number one. Um, and just tell us about how you grew up fishing and, and what you enjoy about fishing.
1: Okay. Um, I'd say probably my favorite fishing. We always do trips every year for smallmouth. We have a bunch of pontoon boats. So we'll float down the river, do a bunch of floats, and just slay the fish. Smallmouth, or I mean, they fight a bunch. We do big fish fry afterwards, whole family, and I mean, it's just a lot of fun. You can, I like doing it with my, uh, with a fly rod. That's a lot of fun, but there's just so many different ways, and it's hard not to catch them. Like, it's pretty easy to do it. So. And what river are you fishing on? Uh, we usually go on the Umpqua. Okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I've heard the smallies, it's like, what, 60, 70 fish a day, something like
1: that? like it's nuts, and a big group of us, it makes it a lot of fun.
0: And Dylan's not a huge fisherman, uh, so he might be asking some questions today, but what do you think about fishing, Dylan?
3: Well, so my reason why I'm not such a big fisherman, um, I went to Alaska like five years ago, and it just spoiled me so much. Going there, you're catching fish left and right, it's beautiful. And I came back here, I went bass fishing with John. I was like, This is stupid, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> just wasn't cutting, just it, wasn't right.
3: it. And then after that, yeah, I just kind of hung it up, stayed to hunting. Really gotcha, but I love it though, it's fun,
0: yeah. And it's so, uh, Chris, go ahead and tell us about your experiences in that.
3: Well, you
2: know, I grew up. Fishing here, like from a really small age, high mountain lakes, central Oregon, and like really small creeks in the valley. But I fish, you know, jetties, kayaks, uh, fly fish some rivers, uh, salmon fish. Uh, been to I went to Alaska this year for the first time, up to Kodiak, and I've done some uh, offshore stuff in Baja with big plugs. Oh wow! Which is a very similar. Uh sentiment uh, of him is like when I went to Alaska, you know, I caught 83 fish the first day.
3: Oh,
1: jeez.
2: Yes. And it was nasty weather, but I fished every minute I was up there. And I think the biggest halibut we caught was like 157. Nice. Wow. It, it was big. And uh, when I went to Mexico to fish, it was 17 uh, mahi the first day. Well, Gig- and I mean, it's a different kind of pace when you go to those places, and then you come back home, and it's like sixty some hours for one steelhead on a right. coastal river, right? Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I grew up uh, trout fishing. So my dad was a really big trout fisherman, and he could he'd pull a fish out of any body of water. Like dad could find a way to catch a fish, like. You know, if he didn't have bait on him, he'd go find a banana slug. He's caught fish on cigarette butts, the little cotton part of a cigarette butt. I mean, my dad has always been able to pull a trout out of any system. So I grew up my whole life trout fishing and bluegill fishing, bullhead and like sloughs off the Willamette. Um, I never really got into bass fishing. And then, you know, I kind of graduated to what I call big game fishing, which is salmon and steelhead. And we're fortunate enough around here to have some really good salmon and steelhead waters. So I, you know, I had about a 50% success rate growing up where you know, every other trip I was catching a fish and the, those percentages have gone down over the years <laughs> and, um, I'm not as proficient in, uh, maybe it was beginner's luck or there was more fish when I was younger. I don't know what has made it that way, but, um, and you know, around here as the salmon populations haven't been what they used to be, people shifted to sturgeon fishing. A lot of people started catching sturgeon and now I've heard that population's in trouble, We've got walleye in the Columbia, too, which I've caught them a few times. Shad, I was going to pull some numbers on this, but the number one amount of fish that we get in the state of Oregon is shad. Uh, At the peak of the run, there's like 2 million fish a day coming in.
1: That's crazy. And,
0: I mean, I've never eaten a shad. They're pretty bony, but we use them for crab bait, and it's it's a lot of fun, and you can just hammer them and have, like, these – I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think there's a limit on them, but I think we catch, like, 30, 40, 50 shad uh, just up by Bonneville Dam. And so, and then recently I bought a property next to a lake and I started bass fishing. And that's what got me into kayak fishing. So Kyler that was on uh, our last episode here, he showed up at my house with uh, two kayaks and all of his bass gear. And I'm like, I've never caught a bass in my life. And so then I started doing that. And when you catch a bass on like a frog or a top water plug or whatever, and they explode and just how hard they fight that whole pound for pound thing, That's awesome. So I haven't done the smallies on the Umqua, but I've heard about that. And it's it's like, that would be awesome. And so, but, you know, specifically the kayak fishing thing, totally like never had even thought of that concept. He just had the, like the Costco kayaks. And, you know, I go out that one time, next thing you know, I'm ordering a fishing kayak on Amazon, (laughs) right? And so I bought a $500 kayak, didn't look at dimensions. I'm a six foot four guy. I get in this thing and it's definitely too small. Like hurts my hips, hurts my back, hurts my knees. Uh, but you know, I fished with it for the first couple of years. And then on mother's day, it's a good thing to buy yourself a present on mother's day, by the way, guys, it's always a good strategy for your, your wives will love it. Um, but I went out and bought myself a nicer fishing kayak that was actually made for tall guys. And that's been pretty awesome. So I've got a couple of rails and I can have rod holders and I or I could have a fish finder if I wanted to. And, um, What I like about it, it's a more intimate way. You're on the water. You're close to the fish. They're right up next to the boat. Um,
2: But, yeah, I think it's a pretty fun way to fish. I I agree. For me, it was I don't always want to – I had a sled for a little while, and I didn't always like dragging it around just for myself. Or where we go to our house in central Oregon, there's 19 lakes and rivers within 20 miles of our house. And the fishing there, I mean – you can jig kokanee. You can catch trout, big browns. And uh, you can get a lot of just access that you wouldn't have before. But I had the same problem that you did. I'm 6'3". And I uh, I bought one like on an impulse on Craigslist. And I got out and like for the first half hour it was fine. But after that, tons of problems with my back. And then you'll just learn how to get it set up, you know, correctly for your size or what you're even doing. Yeah, and they
0: can go – you can go – at any level with the kayak fishing thing. Like when I was, my wife had a medical thing and we were down in the San Francisco area and I was trying to figure out how to fish while I was down there because we had a lot of downtime and I'd take her to a doctor's appointment and I'd have to kill three or four hours. So I kept trying to catch stripers, which I was never successful. I never caught a fish. (laughs) But I watched all these YouTubes of these guys kayak fishing in the San Francisco Bay for halibut. And these guys had the state-of-the-art with the foot pedals and the little trolling motors and all this stuff. And they're catching, you know, the halibut are huge there, like maybe 25
2: to 40 pounds. But still, I mean, talk about an awesome way to catch a fish. It's still a lot to handle on a kayak. Yeah. A 20-pound fish is, I mean, having to, especially like the more expensive you go, like up the levels of kayak fishing into the, the Hobies, or even Old Town now at the Sportsman Show, they had one that was like 5,000, and they're incredibly stable. If you were to get out in the water on something like I bought or probably your first kayak and hooked into a 20- or 30-pound halibut, you'd have trouble yeah. getting you, that You thing might up, end up going down. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you might be in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure.
3: Well, okay, so what what is the biggest fish you caught on a kayak?
2: Because
3: uh, you said you know, something about sturgeon, right?
2: Yeah, so... Up by up in Portland, where we slow troll for salmon, I was up there fishing uh, with my cousin, and there's a bunch of guys out on kayaks fishing right next to the big uh, fertilizer ships. I'm like, what are the, you know what are those guys even doing up here? And he's like, oh, they're sturgeon fishing. And for here in Oregon, you know, it's a slot system, so you can catch them up into like the 30s inches, so whatever that is, 15, 20 pounds. I have been, I say, fortunate enough not to hook into, like, a big (laughs) (laughs) seven-footer. Yeah. Because I've caught them in a boat, Yeah, seven, eight foot. And they can drag an aluminum boat around. So imagine a kayak. Yeah. I mean, and I have seen uh, photos of guys, older guys I fish with, 12, 13 feet. You can you imagine that in a kayak? Oh, taking no, no way. for
1: A ride for sure.
3: Yeah. I'm already terrified of the water, so like <laughs> oh, yeah. you throw that in the mix, right? Yeah, there's some big
2: fish, you know. Especially still now, you know, like you said, the population is in some sort of trouble. Uh, But there's still a lot of really big fish up there, up especially above Bonneville. Mm-hmm. There's still a bunch. Well,
0: oh, yeah, I mean the sturgeon grow so slowly, you know, so they mature after a very. It takes a long time for a sturgeon to reach reproductive age 40 years yeah and so that's why they keep doing those different slots and they keep moving the slot but i've i've caught a nine and a half foot sturgeon with one of my buddies one time and i mean we fought it and fought it fought it and then the thing finally comes up and it's catch and release obviously but it's this giant dinosaur and they're super gentle they come up to the boat and they kind of roll over and you scratch their belly and take the
2: hook out and they swim away you know (laughs) and it's it's uh if you've never done it it's a great way to fish up here yeah Um,
0: Johnny, tell us some more fishing stories. What else you got? Have you done the kayak thing yet?
1: I've done it once, uh, just for smallmouth here in Albany. We put in just above, uh, oh, what's that park? Simpson, maybe it's over by West Albany. There's a bridge right there. You can put in and float down to, is that, is that Bryant park or probably Bryant? Yeah. So we put in there, a buddy and I, and yeah, we just, same thing, fish for smallmouth all the way down there, and that was a lot of fun. You're I wanted to in the
0: Calapooya real- River, yeah, okay. yeah. And
1: I wanted to do it a lot more, but I didn't have a kayak. I just borrowed my brother's, and but it was a lot of fun, like you said, being right there on top of the water. The pontoon boat's kind of the same, but you're you're sitting up above it a little bit more. But that's just kind of what I've been at is just the pontoon boats. It's
0: it's the same concept, I think. It's a more you can get into smaller water, you can get in there quietly. You're right there where the fish are. Right. Uh, the drawback, you know, on my kayak, I got three spots where I can put rods behind me. And sometimes you're so focused on getting at a fish that next thing you know, you're in the bushes and you're tr- trying not to snap your rods or break your lines or, you know.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of my stuff sitting at the bottom of a river, Right. sure. <laughs> yeah. Fighting a fish or, you know, we do the float from Independence into Salem a couple times in the summer. And that that can go three to eight hours, depending on how much you want to stop and fish. But there's tons of great smallmouth fishing, and uh, it's when you get into like your entry level kayaks, like they're fine just to get out. But when you start like using that maybe as your main way you want to fish, you can get some of the more tailored kayaks that have. You know, my kayak was three hundred bucks. I bought it on Craigslist, and you should see it. It's like Frankenstein. All kinds of stuff on Duct tape. it. Yeah, I mean, tons of caulking like everywhere because you want to put rod holders and I have an anchor set up for like fishing the middle fork of the Willamette for steelhead and because uh, you have to have that you can't run an anchor off the side you'll drown. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you will. And you know, winter time you can't really be so that's a specific time you want to get out there. But yeah. when you when you spend you know at the Sportsman Show they had kayaks that were. Like sixteen hundred bucks, which is a chunk, you know, of change, but they're actually set up and they're not a sit in, and they're more of a sit on top, like the pontoon, mm-hmm. which is a lot more comfortable and more stable. Yeah, know, mine's on. a little bit more that way, sit on top,
0: and it's uh, it's pretty comfortable. I do my legs still get kind of numb after you know a whole day out there or whatever, but I've I found because I'm usually with somebody else who's in a kayak and they'll catch a fish and I want to take their picture. That's when I lose the most gear. I'm trying to take a buddy's picture, and then all of a sudden my rod will plunk. And then, you're, you know, and I'm in a lake, and I have recovered several of my rods that have gone in, but I've also lost a couple of them. So, yeah, it's it's a fun way to fish. And I'd like to get, they do tournaments, bass fishing tournaments in kayaks specifically. And they give you, um, I think they, some of them you're weighing the fish, but I think most of the time you're just measuring, you're going off of inches, you know, and you, you it's easier to get a measurement than a weight typically when you're in a
2: smaller vessel so yeah there's always in this uh, for some of the tournaments too with the measure you don't always have to kill the fish that's kind of nice sometimes but i i know guys here like i do like a lot of the small lakes stuff or small rivers but there are guys who go offshore in a tandem hobie for tuna wow and if you do a quick search online there are plenty of videos i watch them you know, of guys hooking into big tu- big tuna like the big uh, yellow fins and stuff, or marlin in a kayak. Wow! And eventually, I think you got to be like calling in boats. Yeah, you know, right. for that scenario, I've never done that. Yeah,
0: I mean, if they're in the kayak, are they getting out there in a, a bigger boat? And then they, they would have to, because I I, I can't imagine
2: you know, paddling out thirty miles to the tuna grounds <laughs> right. or whatever. Yeah. And none yeah. of them have a trolling motor on them, or even a pedal. Wow! You know, like the pedal propulsion. Uh, so they got to be out there on a bigger boat, but yeah. it's quite this quite the video to watch for sure, dude. Yeah. No
3: way, <laughs> not a chance. Dylan's going, no thanks. And you said you fished the Middle Fork in the winter time. We go kind? up
2: there, what would be considered like we're in February, so it would still be kind of considered uh, winter steelhead time. Right. Um, it's cold. Well, so we I fished that in a drift boat, and oh. it's one of the only rivers in Oregon where you can kill two native steelhead. Uh, And I fished that about four years ago uh, with my cousin, who is a guide uh, in a sled, uh, running like a little diver with like a sand tramp. Mm -hmm. And then the next weekend, you know, we decided we're going to do it again, but we ran a drift boat and we went down when the water's falling down, coming into spring, it's a lot safer to be out there. And my buddy and I were like, wow, we can do this in a kayak. We kind of know the holes now to fish. And so we did that. And if you catch it at the right time, it's not that bad, but you're going to freeze a lot. yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you got to be careful, too, wearing waders. Oh, yeah. I don't like to – I would rather not wear waders or maybe just like a hip wader in case you go over the side. Yeah. Um, In a drift boat, mostly you don't have to worry about that. Right. A kayak is something that you should – kind of be proactive with your safety have you gone in the water in your kayak i've not gone in the water in the kayak but i have a large group of fishing friends and you know we talked another guy in and five minutes (laughs) into his first he loves to do it yeah he went in and it was in the summertime we're bass fishing and uh it was funny and all you know i've gone down once so i and i was at the dock and I took a phone
0: call from one of my employees, and I was just talking to her. And the next thing you know, I had just turned to the side, and, wasn't, and I'm going down. I, I dropped my phone on the dock as I went in, and I was able to pull the kayak off the bottom because I was only in about four feet of
3: water. Well, I'm telling you, I wouldn't make it away from the dock. As soon as I took a step in, I'm going down.
0: No, you got to try it. We'll, we'll get you out there this summer. We'll Maybe get you on your lake.
3: Yeah. yeah. But with a cable attached to me. <laughs> Yeah, or in. Something. Yeah. yeah, if you
2: haven't been on one, like I didn't start in a fishing kayak. I started in an old town, like a you know what you would think is a traditional kayak, and it was a it's a fourteen footer. I still have it, and it's it's a great kayak because you can actually see a lot of water in it. And I just use a really short rod, like a five and a half foot. A little spinning rod, and if you don't use the dock to get in, you won't fall in. That's basically like the rule of thumb.
1: Stay low to the water. Yeah, Yeah. and
2: start in the summer where it's still kind of warm water the first six inches. Yeah, and that's the way you just kind of like rock yourself out into the water. And I always started, you know, in central Oregon where some of the lakes they have like a maybe it's like a no wake rule for the boat. So you don't have to worry about some guy on a ski boat coming and dumping you over. <laughs> right. And
0: those, but those high mountain lakes, they're cold even in the summer. Oh. Like if you go down in there, you're going to feel it. Let me,
2: I'll tell you a story. We've, I fished that lake. my grandfather bought our place in the 1960s over there. And so my dad's been fishing it since he was a small boy. And we fished this section of a, uh, the newberry Caldera over there. It's a giant volcano that has two lakes, Polina and East Lake. And Palina, it where one of the docks is, it's like gentle sloping sand, and you can you know jig kokanee and catch trout. And then there's an area we call the rock slide, and it's basically just giant um, flat pieces of rock, like huge. And in the summer, you can see volcanic, like yeah, it's volcanic. There's some hot springs over there, and you can see in the summer the water is so clear, you can see huge fish. It's so awesome. And we have lost a lot of anchors, right? Right there, they just get stuck, kind of funny in the rocks. So my dad said, "I'm not going to lose another one this year." Uh, Maybe I was 20 years ago, and so he thought he was going to dive down to get one. (laughs) He goes down. He was down for a little bit, and then he comes up, and he's like, "It's just too cold." Yeah, and it's like 85, 90 degrees out. Yeah, I mean, after 10 feet, it's freezing. I mean, it's, it's amazing how cold that water stays even in the middle of summer. There's some huge browns in there too, isn't there? Gigantic. The state record, I mean... Don't quote me, but something around twenty eight pounds. Wow! And caught in a rental boat from the marina, which is that's awesome. It's a ama- yeah. That's how makes all the, the guides happy, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's guys out there in boats that are like sixty grand, right? And some dude on a weekend <laughs> trip from California yeah. comes <laughs> exactly. on a forty dollar right. rental, right? It's great. Catches the state record yeah, it's awesome.
3: stocks on, or something, that's awesome.
2: Dude. Yeah, it's great. And there, I've caught a lot of big uh, brown trout in there for sure. There's there's a lot of rainbows, uh, kokanee, but all the lakes in so- Central Oregon are like that mostly.
0: Have you caught a steelhead in your kayak yet?
2: I've not caught a steelhead in my kayak. I caught a uh, a jack salmon mm-hmm. in one, uh, which was fine. N- you know, nowadays we're mostly doing like the trout, yeah. the trout thing in the summer. Um, and
0: I've pretty much only bass fished in my kayak so which far. Which is the
2: best way to start, I think? Yeah. Trout or bass fishing? Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, my goal is to try some rivers. I haven't been brave enough to do that yet, but that's my get off the lakes a little bit and, yeah. you know.
2: Well, the Willamette's way. a great a, a great one to start. Like I said, independence to Salem. Either
1: yeah, that or like the Umpqua, like we have a big group of us that we all have pontoon boats, kayaks, stuff like that. And it's a pretty, really, it's pretty mellow. Like most of the floats we go on, there's some rapids and stuff, but nothing crazy. What's the average
0: size of those smallies on the Umpqua that you're catching?
1: It really kind of depends on like the float that we do. Like there's a lot of them that are pretty like popular floats. So a lot of people go through them, drift boats, stuff like that. So the amount of fish you'll catch is quite a bit, but the size really isn't there. But then there's other ones that, and you're like more in like slack water, stuff like that, where you'll catch a lot of the bigger ones. But the biggest one I've caught, was actually on my fly rod. It was, uh, it was like 18 and a half inches and, it put up pretty good fight on the fly rod. It, yeah, it's a it's, good smallmouth. Yeah, but you get, I mean, you can get fish really on any of them. You're averaging pretty, you know, 10, 11, 12 inches. And, I mean, I just like the fight of them. Like, they fight really hard, and it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I've caught smallies on Billy Chinook. We mm-hmm. always used to fish that for kokanee. And, I mean, it's been years and years ago, and we were in a little – you know, when you're younger you do things you wouldn't do now. But we're in a little twelve foot boat with a Mincota, like the cheapest electric trolling motor that they make, like ninety pounds of thrust, I think. And we're um we're at Camp Palisades and to get to the arm of the Motolius where we fish kokanee, it's like an hour and a half uh boat ride in that little boat. <laughs> and, you know, the Billy Chinook, like Billy Chinook's a decent sized lake and that wind can pick up and gets a little choppy, you know. And so I'm out there with my brother and his girlfriend, and we're, uh, you know, and just, it doesn't even feel like we're moving, you know, because if the wind's not quite right, and, we're, and everyone's stopping and going, Are you guys okay in that little boat? Are you gonna be able to make it back, you know? And, but we didn't get into any coconut, but we found this little dock and we just kind of anchored up next to it, and you could see a school of bass down there. And so we just put a little rubber jig and I'd drop it down and you could the water was so clear and you could just jig it. And all of a sudden we were hooking and they were decent, probably like one and a half to two and a half pound fish. And, you know, I kind of caught the whole school and then let them go, you know, and uh, it was awesome. And that was my first time ever catching a bass. And I'm like, man, this is, it's funny that we're talking about bass fishing in Oregon because everybody always thinks of us as trout, salmon, steelhead, but you know, one, it, we do have a lot of bass and we have the walleye thing. I don't know if any of y'all have done the, the walleye thing. Mm-hmm. We've got shad. I mean, we've got a lot to offer around fisheries. And I've done the marlin fishing in Cabo and I've, you know, or the Dorado or Mahi fishing there too. And they have an amazing fishery. Like you can hook a marlin and there's three circling your boat while you're catching that one fish. I mean, it's 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 unreal, but, you know, it's very similar to catching an oversized sturgeon. So it's, you know, what I love about what we have in our own backyard is we could catch any fish species and get and replicate a similar fight. You know, like a salmon steelhead, maybe almost like catching a tuna. Maybe not quite. I've never caught a tuna. Well, I've caught a tuna in Hawaii, but they were smaller. Um, have you caught big tuna, Chris? Not,
2: not real big ones. Um, kind of like the size of like what albacore we have here, which still fight. Mostly like a big Chinook will mm-hmm. fight for sure.
0: Have, has anybody ever caught a chum salmon? I have not, no. I have not. So I hear they're like a Chinook crossed with a steelhead because I hear they jump and they go crazy, but they're, they'll are hold in a hole. Like, you know, sometimes you hook a Chinook and you're like, is this thing foul hooked? Like you can't get them off the bottom
2: because they just hunker down. and. Yeah, I've hooked into a couple real big ones up on the Columbia where you can feel the head shake before they start peeling line off. And it's, it's quite the fight, you know. Uh, and I've seen them caught up into the fifties up there, which yeah. is—that's crazy. You got to be in some kind of good shape right. to really get into them. It's the same thing when you're doing the big offshore stuff. I like doing that because it's more like uh, hunting than fishing. You know, you got to get into big open water, trolling big plugs.
0: Well, someone needs to poke Dylan
3: over there because I think he's falling asleep. A little bit, little <laughs> bit, yeah. But no, I do have a question actually for all three of you guys. I was just waiting for my time. Um, And this is coming from a guy who fishes with an ultralight rod and every type of power bait out there, right? (laughs) So you guys are each talking about different types of fishing, and I want to know the gear that's used for kayak fishing, gear that's used when you're out there on your pontoon or whatever you do, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) I'm using mostly uh,
2: like ultralights between five, five and a half and like six and a half feet spinning rods or I'm I cannot use a bait caster to save my life no matter how much I practice it is like a skill set that I don't have that makes me feel better (laughs) yeah if you can run one you're better fisherman uh that's what mostly what I'm using and I use a lot of power bait in Central Oregon because it's trout fishing and we have this argument between corn and cheese my friend and I which one catches the most fish because you just don't know right it Every year is a little bit different, but that's mostly what I'm using. And, you know, we'll throw rooster tails, little tiny um, wiggle warts are a fun little, I mean, they're cheap, like a dollar. And you can just throw them up against any rocks. And trout are actually really aggressive fish. People don't think of them that way. Um And jig rods, like a, you know, Daiwa makes a little bait caster with a... um a depth meter on it for kokanee and you can some lakes you can kill 25 kokanee a day yeah. which is a lot
0: And that's a good eating fish you know you throw that in your smoker and you got yeah. something pretty tasty to to eat for lunch i uh have shifted away from trout fishing i don't trout fish as much anymore so when i did trout fish i did rooster tails panther martins was one of my favorite that little black lure with the yellow dots on it was always a go-to um but we always fished, like, those red salmon eggs. My dad, growing up, would always fish those. And then power bait. We like the all-natural garlic power bait. That's kind of our go-to flavor. Uh, once you go to that, and see, we used to like the rainbow glitter power bait, too. It just seems really manly to put that on your
3: hook, you know? Yeah. Makes your fingers smell real good, too. Yeah, it's nice after to lick while. your fingers after you've yeah, yeah. put on some
2: power oh, bait. It's a uh-huh. good way to spend the afternoon. Put it on a sandwich.
3: Yeah, nice totally.
2: Spread. Power, yeah. power bait's like a... Uh, each fish, trout fisherman superstitious about oh, the power yeah. bait that they use. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, kind of, it's and, so funny.
0: Well, like my father-in-law keeps all of his in the fridge because he wants to maintain its quality and make sure it lasts longer. I don't know if it does or not. I put mine in a drawer in the barn. You open that drawer, and you're like, oh, power bait in there. <laughs> yeah. you know. But I, um, as I've shifted away from trout fishing and kind of focused more on salmon, steelhead, and bass, like my bass setup, I probably have uh, 18 different rods, my wife, whenever I buy another one, she's like, "You really need another fishing line?" Oh, I'm like, "Yeah, this covers this segment." But <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll have like in my kayak specifically, I'll have like four rods ready to go with different rigs. And so one will have a top water frog or a top water plug, and then I'm probably using a wacky rigged worm, which is just a you know worm hooked sideways, and I'll troll that behind the kayak, um, or I'll do a drop shot, which is just a little hunk of lead and you got the a nose hook on your worm kind of thing. And I've learned all these different rigs online, you know, and just try different ones. And if, if one works and I catch a decent sized fish on it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that again, you know? And so I'll have several rigs ready. And then I'll throw out like a, a plug that gets down a little bit, you know, and wiggle replicates a, a natural fish. They would eat like a bluegill or a crappie or something. Um, so I've really kind of been focusing on bass lately But if I'm salmon and steelhead fishing, I mean, it totally depends on where you're going, right? But if you're fishing like winter steelhead, for example, a lot of guys have gone to these beads. And there's soft beads, there's hard beads, there's a combination. um, And they're usually using a bobber as a strike indicator. And that bead fishing, it's a blast. And the sand, like when I grew up, it was always corkies. Oh, yeah. And you'd, you'd throw corkies all day for that hookup. But when the steelhead are on the bite with bead fishing, you can have your two fish in like 20 minutes and you're out of there. You know, I mean, it's yeah. they, they really replicate that natural egg and those steelhead can't say no to them. So.
2: I am still fishing the same bead for like the last four years. Oh, you've kept the same one, The same one. I've <laughs> caught fish on it, which is rare for me because I lose all kinds of gear. Yeah, that's
0: how I, I do. try to get, <laughs> I, yeah, I try to
2: get the gear loss stuff out of the way early. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like second cast of the year. It's across the river. Some of the rivers are really small. That yeah, fishing. I like the bead fishing because you got to hit the slot just right for them to take it. Uh, unless there's a ton of fish in the river, which then it's just anywhere that you put it. And we also do. Uh, drift fish, some eggs, or a yarny, or even drift fish, uh, a Tough bead ball. that has no, uh, neutral buoyancy, mm. that can catch a lot of fish as well.
0: What, what I love about the bead fishing is in a clear system, you throw that out there, and you can see your bead, and then all of a sudden you see the steelhead oh. going for it. And usually you've got the bead pegged up a little bit from the hook, so you'll see the bead, and then the next thing you know, bam, you know that bobber's going yeah. down, and you're hooking that fish, and it's a lot of fun. I haven't been able to get out the last couple winters, but... Uh, two winters ago, that it was really hot, and it was like we were catching them every time we'd go out.
3: But isn't there like some places in Oregon that you can only fish with certain setups?
2: Yeah, like um, a river I fish a lot, the Nestucca. They haven't marked, you can read the synopsis, sometimes it tells you, uh, but they'll say like above four miles, you can only use artificials. Gotcha. Or they'll, in the synopsis, it will say between. Um, You see it a lot in salmon, not so much with what you can fish, but with the counts, right? So it'll be like between booby ten and tongue point, you're allowed to kill two uh, hatchery coho or something like that. They do the same thing with what you're allowed to use. There's also regulation in how far, um, like the distances of parts of your setup. Like no more more than 36 inches, leader length from here to here. And so you kind of got to learn how to navigate that through time. But generally speaking, when you get your, a setup, like I'm mostly fishing winter steelhead all on artificials. And then fall Chinook before that, we're fishing a a similar setup. I'm bobber fishing um, with just a huge bobber because a lot of water running and a giant clump of eggs, Mm -hmm. but the same thing. And it's basically just you kind of get accustomed to this is what you're going to fish right now.
0: What's funny about fishing too is as that technology changes, if you're fishing with the old gear, people look at you like, what? You're still throwing out corkies? Or you're going to put a steely, which was just an old shiny lure. And I remember going on the Saniam one time, nobody's catching fish. Nobody. Like everybody's, oh, it's really slow, it's really slow. And that was back in the corky days before the beads and I threw a steely on and went to the bottom of everybody else, hooked a fish on my first cast, landed it. I'm like, oh, wasn't that as slow as you guys were saying? And people are first looking at you like, you're throwing this big lure out here. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. And then you hook a fish, and then everybody gets pretty quiet. Yeah, right? fishermen, are, fishermen are generally really
2: judgmental. Yes, they have are. guy's sitting to the left and right of them. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I talked to a guy the other day who's a customer of mine. Uh, he also fishes a lot of the same rivers. He's in his 60s. And he told me he is still fishing uh corkies, spinning glows, like he started, you know, my first deal I was on spinning glow. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's still effective, you know, and I think sometimes I get stuck always fishing the same thing.
0: Yeah. And you got to change it up. And I'm like you where I'll usually lose my first rig pretty quickly. But that night before, when I tie that rig up, especially steelhead fishing, I'm like, this is the most beautiful rig. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to, I've tied this so perfectly. And I've got all the, you know, increments exactly right. But my first steelhead was like on a 12 inch leader with a giant spinning glow on like a 12 pound, you know, and it was like nothing special. Like we give the fish a little more credit. I mean, those little details do matter for the amount of, you know hookups you're gonna get, but the reality of
2: it is, is you can. They're still a fish. They're still fish,
0: and you can catch them with yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah, um, I've caught them on all kinds of. You know, sometimes you get out or you forget something at home. Like I forgot spools of a leader before, and you're just like throughout the day cutting your leader down more. Yeah, and you do catch them on a short leader, or you know, I think a lot of fishermen, especially when it comes to bobber fishing, are misjudging their depth. A lot. I used to catch a lot of crap from my friends of dragging the bottom. I'm like, well, it's a winter; all the fish are on the bottom. Yeah, you have to. You know, they stay like lethargic down in those pockets. Yeah, the water's cold, and they're not
0: gonna they're gonna waste the energy unless you really get to them.
2: And it's like you said, they're just a fish. Yeah, it's just a fish. We
0: give them way more credit, I think, and they are smart. But like, you know, they're they've got that instinct, and they see food, and then they're gonna go for it. And or it's that. You know, you make them mad enough, and
2: they just are like, fine, I'm going to bite this. Yeah, it, there are seminars and stuff going on all the time. And if you're a new fisherman, it's very beneficial to go watch. They're on free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I've watched all kinds of stuff. Whenever I was going to try something new, salmon fishing, uh, just go on YouTube. There's always someone else doing it, and then they will tell you all the mistakes that they made. Well, that's that's how I got into the shad fishing thing. So
0: we uh, we'd gone on this walleye fishing trip. And we'd booked this guide at the sportsman show and it was a cheap deal and it was me and three of my buddies and we stayed in this dive hotel and then we went and caught a bunch of walleye the next day and they're, they're just fishing plugs in the, in the river. And you know, the, the way we did it, they weren't, you didn't get a lot of fight cause you had a lot of current, you know? So you're kind of bringing in this wobbling fish, but the, but if you haven't eaten a walleye, it's a real good eating food. And so we fried them up that night. Well, then we're on the way home and we see all these people at Bonneville dam on the Washington side and the Oregon side. And we're like, what are those guys doing, you know? And so we go there, and you can see all the shad everywhere. And we're like, okay. So we just went on YouTube, watched a few videos. And, I mean, a shad will eat. Like, I could take the zipper off of my coat here and put a hook on it, and they would bite it, right? They're not picky. Or even, like, we've all talked about Alaska a little bit when we've done that eye fishing thing there. I mean, for the sockeye, at least, you know, those fish aren't typically biting. They're more of a filter feeder, right? And you're just getting a hook in their mouth. Um, yeah. Johnny, tell us about your gear a little bit.
1: When I'm doing the the smallmouth off the pontoon boat, it's just fun for me. Like I like to use the lightest gear possible. Like I'm I'm gonna lose fish, I'm gonna break off whatever, but I think it's just the whole fight of it. Like you have to play them, you can't just horse them in stuff like that. That's what I like to do. So I use a little, it's small five six, little feather light, just super light rod, like four pound test, and I mean I. The smallmouth are fun just because they're so aggressive. there's the same thing. They'll bite really whatever you throw out there. But a lot of jigs and plastic worms, Panther Martins, stuff like that. And even like on the flies or the fly rod, kind of the same deal, just woolly buggers, really anything you can get out there.
0: Yeah, and uh, the bass world kind of looks down upon you if you use bait. Yeah. So if you use worms or you use any sort of, natural bait in the bass world they're like well yeah of course you can catch it on an yeah. earthworm but yeah. like i'm using plastics you know so that's just kind of i learned that the hard way when i'd show up and i'd have my little worms in the background they're like what is that well in case the other stuff isn't working exactly. i could throw a worm on the bottom and catch something you know
3: yeah i had a run in with that in washington <laughs> yeah I was fishing at this lake we always go to and uh, there's this prof- he called himself a professional bass fisherman don't know if that's true, but he looked good. He had all the gear on and everything. He was there from daylight till dark. And we were throwing power bait with like these, I don't know, these pink eggs hanging down off the edge of the hook like they were gonna twirl and we we're reeling them in or something. And this guy goes, Hey, what are you what are you doing? You know, and he kind of gave us the business about it, and then he gave us some of his bait, hooked us up. And we started catching fish left and right off of what he ever what what he ended up giving us, and then yeah. um, he didn't catch a single fish all day. And then, but we caught, but using across his gear. the other side of the dock, I bet we caught forty fish. Wow! And you are catching bass, yeah. It was so much fun. Well, and it's God, and it's that's
0: so the fun. thing, you have a day like that and then you try to replicate it and it might be totally different the next time or yeah. you don't know if it's barometric pressure or something that pushes the fish. We had time on our little lake where the fires had happened this was a couple of years ago and there was the sky turned black as we well were out there at the lake, you know, and the you know, the sun was that bright orange and my niece is out there next to my dad. And all of a sudden, she's just catching big bass after big bass after big bass. I mean, like nine or ten in a row right off the dock. And I'm like, I've been trolling this lake with my kayak, and I've caught two, and you just caught ten right in the
2: dock. you know? yeah. Yeah. Explain that. It looks like Mars outside. Yeah, exactly. And, and she's catching tons of fish. Yeah,
0: it was an awesome scene. I mean, it would have been cool to have the video camera rolling on that one. We did actually, she hooked a monster. Like, the thing on my little lake is we've hooked some big fish, but we haven't landed them to know kind of how big they actually are. But this thing she just kept going and going and going, and then we tightened the drag a little too much and snapped, and I don't know how big that fish was. I would have loved to have seen it. but um, you know, like hunting, you're going to have days on the water where you're not going to catch anything, but I always say, just like on our hunting trips, it's like a day in the woods or a day on the water is much better than a day doing probably about anything else for me, yeah. you know same
2: yeah, it's the same for me. Yeah, and I well,
0: um. I don't know, there's so many different ways we could talk about different things. There actually is a professional bass fisherman in this area. His name is Jay Yellis, and I would love oh. to get him on the show. But Jay, he actually gets out there in the Willamette and catches just monster bass, but he's been on like the the tour, you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he's a super cool guy, just really down to earth and uh, on the tour, you said, yeah, Played like at Tiger Woods. Well, yeah. professional bass fishing tour, <laughs> Different you know? tour. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the acronym is for that, I'm not sure, but it's serious. Though. No, it's it's just big money, and obviously, we've seen all those recent scandals on these tournaments. The with walleye guys, tournament. pu- yeah, the guys God. putting uh, weights inside the fish and that stuff. Was so crazy, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, everyone's always suspected that, you know, but I think it's like now they're going to really start watching it
2: closer. That right? was that was hard for me to watch, yeah, that just not just the cheating. Because I think a lot of those guys, it's not about the money. You know, they just like to get out. But the look on the guy's face was like, oh no, this is bad. Yeah. You know, and just like. I felt a little bit of that, like that shame. I'm like, God, yeah, I had to turn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, these, fi- you know? the fishermen's tails, you know, yeah, for years, awkward.
2: we always talk
0: about the big one that got away, right? That's yeah. always, or we always say, yeah, it was just this. And I've learned, you know, the closer you hold the fish, to the camera, the bigger the fish looks. <laughs> that's so I've learned thing. when I'm doing a fish picture, I'm holding that baby as close to the camera <laughs> as I can. You know, they're like, man, that fish was big. And you're like, eh,
2: it was seven inches, but it looked big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a, I tell people fishermen are all liars. Yeah. I caught so many, you know? Yeah. But
0: that tournament situation, it was, it definitely tainted it. Oh, it just gives
2: the whole thing a bad look. Yeah. It gives fishermen, outdoorsmen, but, you know, there's this thing for hunting anyway. You know, they do those coyote tournament things, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. But just by association, the word tournament, that's going to give that, people are going to come down on everything a lot more. Oh,
0: true. Yeah, I know you're right. Well... Well, I got one more question. Oh, he yeah, does. Yeah. I was about no, ready to wrap us up. firing away. He loves fishing so to. much, he's like, let's keep talking about it. Yeah,
3: well, honestly, I'm learning a lot, you know, so I'm curious. Yeah. Maybe I'll get back into it. We'll get know. you out. Yeah, this, yeah. this
0: summer, you're going to come fish with Another
1: Another uh, Cheetah Lake trip, isn't your? No,
3: no, no. no? I'll never fish that place again. No. But... uh like different times of year, obviously, you're wearing different gear in these fishing scenarios. I see you wearing a Sitka sweatshirt. So this is where I'm going. Um, when you're out there in the wintertime, what kind of gear are you? you rocking.
2: So I, am, I, I have a pair of waders from a company called Drift up in Washington. They're actually reasonably priced. They're not uh, as expensive as some of the other brands. And then I'm wearing sweats underneath. Oh, I yeah. used to always wear jeans. Until a friend of mine said he rubbed a hole in his waders right at the side of his knee. Hmm. And I was like, I never thought of that. And when I spend several hundred dollars on a pair of waders. Yeah. you know, And then boots, I'm using uh, corkers. Uh, they are a little, I mean, they're not expensive, somewhere around 200 bucks. But you can find them on sale all the time. And I always, you know, I'm a size 13 in most of the things I wear. But you got to go up a full size or your feet. You know, in the winter, it's so cold. And when you're standing out in the water, you're actually getting the compression from the water, your boots, the waders. And if your shoes or your wading boots are a little bit too small, it hurts. Like there were days where I could not feel my feet. Yeah. And after five hours, you start getting worried a little bit about it, but you yeah. can't say anything.
0: So that's the first time I've heard that. And I've probably always bought the wrong size shoes. Yeah. It's, so that's a good tip.
2: I bought. I probably got gout. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I, can, I was
0: waiting for the gout to come there into it play is here. That could be. But, but last time I was winter steelhead fishing, I did have gout. And so I'm on the bank, and my buddy had hooked a steelhead, and I'm gimping to go get the net. And he's telling everybody on the bank, he's like, he's got gout. Someone (laughs) else get a net over here.
2: That's awesome. (laughs) He's not going to get here quick enough. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. That's just something to think about, because I have always been one of the guys to where I always bought cheap gear. And you start running through your gear really fast, when you, especially uh, waiting. So I bought a brand-new pair of Orvis. Wading boots with my new waders, and they were a size too small. And Mm. one day of fishing, I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, so I got the other ones, and now they use that uh snap and twist wire technology they use on ski boots, which is pay the extra 25 bucks. Yeah, that's the way to go for sure. Yeah,
0: my waders, I, I finally wore through my last pair, and they were leaking so bad when we went to Alaska, it was like my hole from my left rear end to my ankle was soaked. I'm like, I don't think these are quite cutting it. And then I started looking and I was trying to patch a hole and there yeah. was just holes everywhere. Cause they deteriorate over time and you For know, sure. you're getting them wet all the time and you're out in the sun or whatever. And walking so
2: I, through the brush.
0: Oh yeah. Walking through blackberry bushes to get yeah, hole That'll get you every time. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a new pair that I haven't even tried yet, but I have those same boots with the
2: wire twist and that's really it's slick. The way to go. Yeah. Um, And then, like I said, I'm wearing sweats underneath, just trying to stay a little bit warm or in some thick socks because the water is freezing cold. And it's cold outside, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just, you know, sweater, beanie. For me in the kayak, though, I'm pretty chill.
0: Like, I'm in my – I got those Columbia sunproof type shirts that have, like, the hood on them, you know, and so that I don't get – so sunburned out there on the lake because the water's bouncing off the lake. So I'm usually in one of those and I usually have a net gator type thing that I can pull up to. Um, and then I'm usually in shorts. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously that's summer fishing and then a pair
2: of sandals or canes or whatever just if I need to get out. Yeah, I actually went to uh, like a really light Columbia pants for fishing in the summer because I was saying when you did my first mortgage for my house, I had a crutch. I don't know if you remember, but I was fishing on a a reservoir in central Oregon called Crane Prairie. Awesome place to fish, especially if you like bass fishing. Yeah, it's crazy. Big
0: trout too. They call them crane bows.
2: Yeah, it is so cool. And I I had been getting water on my shins all day. And I was like, that's weird, you know? And the next morning my legs hurt. I had blisters on my legs. And when I went to a doctor, he said, "Oh, it's just sun UVs magnified yeah.
3: through
1: water on your." Oh my god!
2: Uh, it was so brutal. Yeah. It was like I was in a fire.
1: Like I've my never thought about that because yeah. on pontoon boats, same thing. I just wear shorts because you're. I mean, I dangle my feet there in the water like all all the time, but I've never had. It them. was a That's, weird thing huh. and. And it if was you just burned bad like
0: that, you don't forget it. Right. Right. My shins
2: are forever shiny. Yeah. from it. <laughs>
3: well, that's good, though. I yeah. guess yeah. shiny
0: shins. Shiny shins. Yeah. I had a Gold Lake is a flyer lure only, so there is some you know lakes and river systems here that are flyer lure lure only. And we had gone there on a camping trip in that same little twelve foot boat, and my dad had a Ford Bronco, and we tied it on the top, but we ran the um, ropes through the windows. So you had as they were loosening, I would have my buddies hold on to them, like hold on to the boat. <laughs> it was it was a smart setup, but anyway, we uh, we got on the water and I was in shorts. But you're rowing all day and you're not thinking about it, and I was so fried from like my upper thigh area. I'm still got scars from that one sunburn, God dang, and I got man. like sun poisoning from that. So oh, I mean, yeah. I was like throwing up the next
2: day, like like a flu bug because I had gotten so much exposure on my legs. Really? Yeah, I had that happen when I was young maybe in my teens sturgeon fishing up on the willamette and just out in the beating sun all day i never even thought about you know you don't think about that stuff when you're a kid as you do yeah. when you get older this podcast was brought to you by anyone that makes sunscreen products yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. hey when i went down to fish in baja i i tanned you know i talked to other guys they're like you're gonna want to get a tan before you go down there and I used so much sunscreen. It was crazy. I never got sunburned the whole time. Oh, that's great. And yeah. You're, you're that's that's on one way to ruin any outdoor trip is getting sunburned.
3: Right? Oh, without a doubt. Especially sure. like hunting over east or something. Oh, God. Oh, wind burn too. You oh, know. dude. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, but I do want to talk about Alaska one more time. Sure. If you guys don't mind. Yeah. Um, Let's keep it going. For me, we did a bit of everything, right? Fished every type of fish we could. We stayed at the lodge. So it was super awesome. Shout out Jimmy Jack Lodge. It was the best. But uh, Sam, you and Kyler went, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys did it all on your own.
0: Yeah, so we just did a DIY. We rented a uh, travel trailer on VRBO that this guy had parked right across from the Kenai River, and then we that's when car rentals were like 3,000 dollars a week. So instead of doing that, we used the Turo app and rented an F150 uh, for about half the price, you know, and drove that from Anchorage to Soldotna. And then we got set up in this trailer and we'd brought all of our gear. I'd bought one of these cases to put all your rods in. So we brought all of our rods in the cases and then we put all of our reels in like our carry on bags because we didn't want to lose them. And then in our checked bag, we had all of our gear. So, I mean, over there, because we were mostly targeting, um, The Reds. My mind just went blank for some reason. Sockeye. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So so yeah, so we were going for Sockeye mostly, right? But on that Kenai, I mean, you can catch steelhead, you can catch big Dolly Varden, you can catch Chinook, but this was a couple years ago, and the Chinook season was already over. Um, But you could still catch them in the ocean. So we went into Homer one day and and went for Chinook, and that was pretty cool, as I'd never been to Homer before. But and we got into some fish. But is that what?
3: What are what are king salmon? Chinook,
0: okay, yeah, and they're but they the ones in Alaska have a different genetic element to them, and so the, they classify them as kings. Uh, but they, you know, I think the biggest salmon on record was like ninety-seven pounds out of the yeah. Kenai River. So they they used to grow these giant kings, and the fish have gotten smaller over the years. But even when you're um, fishing for the reds, you'll hook a chinook sometimes, and I hooked one the last night, and he spooled me. I mean, he just would not turn,
3: and I just there was nothing I could do. And it was just well at this lodge too. This girl, she's fourteen, and um, we were fishing for kings that day as well. I actually hooked one, but by the time I was so in shock that my bobber went down, I just sat there and just watched it. Didn't do anything. The guides like set the, set hook. the hook, real. I just sat there, and then the bobber just went pop back up. I've done that too. And then, uh, but this girl caught it was like fifty eight or sixty oh, pounds. That's or something a good like fish. That. Yeah, you said it was a fight. It was hours.
0: Well, the the um, the Sakai thing is really fun because they're such a good eating fish, you know. And so we brought oh, back slash. a ton of fish. Uh, we had a guy show us how to fillet them, where you cut the bellies out. And salmon belly is delicious, it is. and a lot of those omega threes are sitting there in the belly. So I, in the past, when I had filleted, I never kept the bellies. But he showed us, and we brought. That's one of my favorite things when I want to just have a quick little bit of salmon is I thaw out some bellies, fry them up real quick, and some butter with some salt and
2: pepper, and. Yeah. Good to go. Cool. Yeah, I did the Alaska thing in September. We went to Larson Bay on Kodiak, and mostly just for halibut. And I wanted to catch a really big yellow eye when I was there, because in Oregon, you can't keep one. And there, it was one one a day or one a year. And then we went across the strait where you could kill 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, and if no one's seen a yellow eye, look them up. They're awesome, kind of orangey-yellow. Really mean, good eating too. aren't They're they amazing, yeah. And I, the whole time, you know, three and a half days of fishing, I never caught one. Oh
1: no! <laughs> All the guys around <laughs> me. That I was, was going to say, did anyone
2: want to catch one? Or oh yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the buddies I went with caught a huge. I mean, that fish has to be 120, 130 years old, gigantic. Wow! And I was just disappointed, but we were mostly we caught a lot of halibut, Um and you know, link link cod that were. The smallest ones were bigger than the biggest ones I've caught down here. Yeah, just monsters. But I caught a skate, which is like a ray, at 500 feet down. 500 feet is a long ways. Oh to, yeah, yeah. It's the first couple times you're like, that's not bad. But they're like, no, we're gonna be out here for 14 hours. <laughs> you <laughs> know? And you're
0: reeling up a sheet of plywood. Yeah.
3: You know, <laughs> well, yeah, dude. That was the weirdest thing about like the halibut fishing. It was so difficult to reel the goddamn rod in. Yeah, I couldn't get it done. It took forever, <laughs> man. It was exhausting. Yeah, I had the captain of the
2: boat tell me. He said, "You're doing it wrong," and I was like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm struggling." And he showed me. Like he he said, "No, do it like this," and it, it makes a difference. It's just awkward because you've never done it. Like you stick it up in your armpit. Yeah, say, it's do. a slow crank. And I'm like, okay. Because the mindset of a fisherman is just crank, crank, crank as fast as you
0: can. Yeah, you yeah. can. Right?
2: Yeah. Some
3: of these fish. Well, I took a video of my dad catching a halibut, and the video's about seven and a half minutes long. I don't even see the fish. Yeah. it's not <laughs> it's just, just him reeling. Just, yeah. Well, yeah. like the freaking weights or whatever you freaking call them, use it, or five pounds or something. Oh, They're my just God. giant. So
0: just getting the weight off the bottom. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Bigger than most fish you catch, yeah. you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I hooked into wise. that skate, and I had—I think the biggest halibut I caught was like in the 40s or 50s, right? I, I mean, we weren't weighing them, but you can kind of eyeball it. And I hooked into this fish is just at 500 feet, and I'm cranking it up, and it's having head shakes. And the captain guy Jim, just a, a killer captain, this guy. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's a big halibut," and I'm like, "Finally." <laughs> And it gets to the top and he goes, nope, it's a skate. And then the hook came out and I was like, I never even brought it up. But who knows how big it was, right? You, you can't it was big. Really... They're they're so big. And then we got into a whole bunch of, uh, they are a uh, Pacific cod, you know, like the skipper's fish and chip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are big fish. Oh, yeah. They're actually, I, I was like, fight? what is this? Yeah, they fight all right. Mm-hmm. At, by that time, I was so tired of three days. It's like anything was going to fight real hard, <laughs> yeah, right? you know, and uh I was like, what is it? Because you know, I'd never seen them because we don't really have them down here. And he said, oh, that's the best eaten fish out, up here. Yeah. And uh, they, they mostly catch all those that we're eating in the winter because I guess in the summer they get wormy. Ah. So they use them for bait up crab there. bait, a lot of crab bait. Y- right? Yeah. And they had, uh, We I stayed at a lodge called Kodiak Island Resort. Awesome. Like, the best experience, like, if you've never been up to Alaska, that's the way to go. Find a lodge. Mm -hmm. They had flown in King Crab for us just because we kind of knew the lodge owners in a way. And uh, we ate Tanner crabs though, which is a, I mean, it's a wonky, like, a real small body, big legs. Hmm. Just, you know, we have Dungeness mostly down here. So it was like, what the hell is that? Was it good? Yeah. I mean, I like kind of there isn't a crab I've eaten that I don't like Right? You know, that's <laughs> the spiders of the sea. <laughs> yeah. Spiders yeah. of the sea. They're terrifying looking, but man, they're delicious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well that Alaska thing, if you're an outdoorsman, you got to make it there at gotta some point. Do it. I mean, even just like, you know, you're going to Walmart to get something or Fred Myers and Soldotna, and there's a moose crossing the road. Like we don't yeah. have moose around here. So it's like you see a moose for the first time and you're like, Holy cow. And the first time I went to Alaska actually was with a guy who has a kind of like a semi-guided setup. So you go stay with him. At the time, it was like twelve hundred bucks for the week, which is pretty cheap. And he provides you with meals, all the gear. He's got two vans, and he's taking you to the fishing grounds. You know, there's always a van leaving. I mean, the drawback when I've gone there both times, I fish nonstop because it's light. In the time that I'm there, and then if you get to midnight, then you can catch a whole new limit, and then they change the limit while you're there. usually like when we start there, it's three fish per per day, right? But then by the time we're ready, to get, like the last few days of the trip, then it goes to six, so you can catch your six, and then right after midnight you catch your other six. So one night, me and Kyler had our twenty-four fish, and we're we're just laughing. It's three o'clock in the morning, and we're kind of rummy, and we're going to flay all these fish, and we can't hardly carry them to the flaying station. And they're falling all over the dock, and we're the only guys out there with our headlamps. <laughs> and, you know,
3: it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I will say that was one of the craziest things, though. Just I don't know, three in the morning. It's looks like it's noon. You know, yeah, just bright sunny. It was the coolest thing. And then where we were staying, my at that Jimmy Jack Lodge. This was like the separate lodge to their main one. Uh, my dad and I actually stayed in a cabin off site across the road from there. And there's moose just bedded down right next to where we were parked. We were driving a minivan. We looked pretty good, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but it was a coolest experience, man, just going inside. They had mounts on the wall. Then my favorite fishing that we did, we did uh, for sockeye. We got on a float plane, it took us right up to the mouth of the river and there were, bears everywhere you're fishing but luckily we were there we were the second boat in line oh and then next thing you know i turn around and there's 50 boats (laughs) behind us oh and it's literally like and you can see the fish like i'll show you guys videos but like you can see just schools of fish everywhere most beautiful water i've ever seen and uh Guides behind you are like, "Hey, let's go get your limit. Move out of the way." So we're stressful. It's a stressful deal. We're just casting, trying to staff. catch your fish so the yeah. next boat
0: can come in. Yeah, it's dude, it's combat fishing. Oh man!
3: Yeah. And then we hooked one this boat behind us. There's this girl, her and her fiance, and she hooks this fish. And this bear's fifty yards straight out, and the fish jumps, and the bear sees it, and here comes the bear just as fast, just crashing through the water Whoa. and just grabbed onto that fish and started running the girls just like terrified <laughs> beyond all belief what's going on and the guy just reached over and just cut the line it wow. was the coolest experience man yeah. i would always recommend that
0: yeah it's a must do we're spoiled in our state in oregon we have a lot of cool things to fish and hunt for and all that but like that alaska thing is an awesome it's you, you got to do it if yeah. you're an outdoorsman, but the the hard part is, you know, that little town of Soldatna during the sockeye run, I mean, the amount of people that come in and like, you know, the stores are all empty and like, there's just people everywhere. So there is that element, but like when we did it, there's so many fish and so many spots to fish, we would just get away from the crowds. You know, we would find little pockets where we wouldn't have to be by a bunch of other people. Um, because there's fish everywhere. I remember one night, the first time I went there, I think ninety thousand sockeye had come in the river that day. That's crazy. and you know, like a good steelhead around here, maybe we'll get ten thousand fish in a season. You know, yeah. And this is ninety thousand in a day, and the water is literally boiling with fish because there's just so many fish coming through. Yeah. And it's it's an it's you gotta experience it.
2: Yeah, I heard a a river I fish. They said it was like six hundred steelhead total for the season total that came up and there's a bunch of guys fighting for 600 steelhead yeah and maybe not even 5% of those fish get caught
0: yeah I mean the one cool thing most of the hatcheries in Oregon they recycle the fish so you know the fish make it up the one time they put a tag in them they make them run again I feel sorry for these fish it's like hey you make it through the predators the sea lions the bears the humans the first go around and they're like you know let's try it again Yeah, we're gonna put a tag in your back back. run it
2: back yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing about like when you go up to Alaska, you know, we we're in a more remote area. I think it was seven plane rides there and back for me. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. But you don't see anyone else mm-hmm. fishing. A couple boats. There are other lodges. I didn't see any bears, but they have <laughs> I just thought it was funny. The town, you know, the village we're in is really small. I mean, it's like one road around a bunch of different ways, basically. They have electric bicycles, and we're like, it's a nice day. We're just gonna go see, see everyone in town. And they're like, hey, watch out for bears. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot because at home we don't have anything that can eat you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, walking yeah. down Main Street, walking down Main Street. And the day that we flew in there, it was late in the evening, maybe like five. And he said, yeah, we they shot a blacktail right by the lodge. And he said, yeah, right when he pulled the trigger, bears started coming out of the woodworks. Wow. Which was- Rang the dinner bell. Yeah, Yeah. which was interesting.
3: (laughs) Thanks, guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't see any of them until we went to Katmai across the strait to a place called Geographic Bay, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. That's the thing about Alaska. The landscape is aggressive compared to anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got in on some grizzlies, and the captain, Jim, he's like- This is where, uh, what's his name? grizzly man got killed.
0: Oh, wow. And I was like,
2: wow, that's wild. You know, that's to think that's right here. Yeah. And we got back at the lodge and he said, and that's the guy that found him right there. Oh, wow. The guy who owns the float (laughs) planes. He's an older gentleman now. Yeah. So that's been been some years since that happened.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. (gasps) Yeah, that
2: that was cool. But just the wildlife, you know, there was a fox hanging around the lodge. We have no foxes left in Oregon that I've ever seen. I've never seen one. I've never seen one.
3: My parents got a few on their place. Oh, dude. They? Um, but they're rare. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, at Public Works in Corvallis, mm. right off 99, there's foxes all over the really? public works yard. Huh. I was going to have to go get a backup. One crawled out of the bucket, took off running. Like I your would,
0: traditional red fox? Yeah. That would be I would yeah. love You You have yeah. two of
1: yeah. my